Welcome to another episode of Greg Can Read. My name's Greg, and I can read. Uh, this episode is entitled, Why We Pick the Songs We Do. And I'm just going to go over a few aspects of why we pick the songs we do. Starting from uh, theology, going to the song matrix as what we like to call the story of our liturgy, as well as the categories in which we place our songs in as well as the object of our singing. So, first things first, we're going to talk about our theology. I should have already said this, but I got Kyle here, and I got Pastor Rusty here. Hey, guys. Hey, church family. And um, we will be discussing all of these aspects of our worship. Um, As you know, Kyle, Rusty, and I, as well as Jess, are a part of the worship leadership team. And um, we go through that through this uh, matrix quite often when we pick the songs that we pick. So, starting with theology, uh, as uh, a premise for all of our songs, they must be the- theologically rich, which means that the lyrics must be theologically rich. We want. To, uh, we want to sing about our God, not some made-up idol. So, the link here to contemporary Christian music is that we may or may not know who to or what we are singing about specifically when it comes to contemporary Christian music in which we see, like, on the radio. I think that's a perfect starting point because the question that we ask is, when we come on Sunday to not just worship, because it's all the time, when we come to corporate worship with our family, what are we coming to do and who are we addressing? Right. Who are we speaking to when we sing? So I think those theologically rich starting point uh, stands opposed to what you just were describing is this contemporary aspect of not only who might we be singing to, but usually it's either to us right, or just about us. Exactly. Um, and, and with that, in our Sunday mornings, we want, to, we want music that expresses the attributes of God. Um, we're pointing out the one true God every single Sunday morning. That is our objective and his relation to us and our relationship to him. And one of those things is going through his attributes, like who God is. We want to proclaim his holiness, his omnipotence, his sovereignty. We want to see his goodness, his graciousness, his greatness, and his glory every single Sunday morning. Um, If you didn't know what all those G's were, they're the four G's. Russie's kind of coined those. But as a church, that's uh, what? You're Baptist. You know how to do that. I don't own them. You don't own them, but you know what I'm saying. Like, you, you, you brought it to the table. Anyway, lest we digress even more, um, we just want, ultimately, we want music that will lead others into a greater understanding of who God is. It's not just singing about God or singing... Uh, to ourselves or edifying one another, even though that is what we do on Sunday morning, but we're singing this to God and to one another. 
And what this needs to have is knowledge. We need to understand who we're who we are singing to and what we're singing about because that can lead to worship and belief in God and who he is. Yeah, one of your keys there is that we are singing to God, but it's not just him that hears, it's to each other as well. And so we're, right. we're in proclaiming what you're saying here, we're proclaiming truth to each other. Right. That's where the edification comes up. That's where the encouragement comes up. Like, hey, you next to me, you hear these truths that we hold together. Right. And we're going to proclaim those things. This is who we are. Which is why we're going to have a totally different podcast. You may want to write this down, Rusty. That um, he, he's about not, he's not writing it down, Greg. <laughs> he's still finishing his sandwich. I'm eating a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, why we sing, basically, I, I I think is a is a big topic, but also um, how we sing um, is a big topic that we need to get into. But I'm again not digressing into that. Um, like like we just stated, it's not just singing to God, but also singing to one another. Um, and when we pick our songs, we really try to avoid emotionalism and unnecessary repetition. There are repetitive stanzas in the Psalms that we see, and some of that repetition in the songs, in the Psalms, and also in our songs is good too, but too much can be really bad. The Bible uses repetition to show the weightiness, the gravitas, and to put an exclamation point to reiterate the importance of something. We see this in Revelation 4.8. I'll read it, because Greg can read. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease, never cease, never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. These creatures never cease singing that stanza over and over and over again. Why? Because the point is the gravitas of God, who God is, his weightiness. The point is that they are saying this forever and ever, that because the Lord is holy, he is almighty, and he is eternally perfect. Now, the inverse is the sing- is singing verses like, ooh. Na 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 na, fa la 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 la. If you didn't understand that, that was you know a Christmas song. Anyway, I wasn't sure if that was repetition <laughs> or tongues. Exactly. I bought a Honda, but should have bought a Yamaha. <laughs> Shake my head. So. Even singing the same verse, like uh, we see this in a lot of <coughs> song music um that (laughs) they'll sing a verse like 10 plus times and you know they sing a lot of oohs a lot of na na's and different things like that but if you've ever taken a music history course um which i'm assuming that many of you have not um (laughs) 
what those fa laws and laws mean is uh, extremely provocative. Um, if if you want to take it from like a historical standpoint of why you sing those oohs, those fa's, those different things like that over and over and over again. They have an implicit meaning, um, which we'll kind of get to later on. Um, but uh, I really just ultimately think it's a lack of creativity. It's a lack of really understanding the rich, deep theology of who God is. And I, can't, and, I, and I really believe that they can't think of anything else to say. So they say the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, I had something, but I was going to let him finish. I was going to interrupt him. Okay. (laughs) Come on, Greg, keep rolling. I'll keep rolling. I'll keep going. Uh, Because they say the same thing over and over and over again, and this is to fabricate an emotional response. It's like me saying I love you 10 times to my wife just so she'll say it back, and I've done that before. So it's it's just, it's one of those kinds of things yes kyle take it away well i was just gonna i think i said this on the last time i was in here but there's that there's a paganism aspect to it too it's like this law of attraction type thing um which i think feeds into the emotionalism you were speaking to before but um some of those churches um and i think this is one reason why even if their song sounds theologically rich um you you really got to pay attention to what one of some of those churches are actually teaching um because there's a lot of paganism behind that repetition as far as like the attraction and and they think that um, by saying words over and over again, and I think that's what kind of what Jesus was talking about. Um, You guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but that's kind of what he was speaking of when he, um, when he corrects the the Pharisees of their repetition of prayer is that. um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think, um, yeah, what, what the, in revelation that you just read, what they're um, doing there is they're glorifying God. So your intent is so important there. Um, So. Yeah, be careful what you listen to, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It it pushes towards this emotional response. It's yeah. part of the lingering yeah. aspect of it, and I mean, this is super common back in my youth ministry days, and I was brought up in the, how to do this, um, and and by much less dangerous teaching. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was still something we would often employ, um, and it's just I, it. It is pushing for an emotional response, but that's not the root concern. The root concern is just a complete missing of what worship and singing is. Yeah, and to what Greg was saying, too, about the lack of creativity, it's I think a lot of them are about pushing more music. Um, they fed into that, the secular field of um, what's hot that minute mm-hmm. um, and what can they get on you know, certain Christian radio stations. The sooner they can get a song out, the more money they can make. Um, the more people are interested in their church. Um, so it's really just about pushing content rather than um, glorifying God. And there's tons of, there's tons of uh, worship people and people who have been to those churches that are coming out now um, and like pointing these things out of yeah. like, I was at X church and this is what they're doing. Explicitly. Uh, yeah. yeah. They, they only care about the number of people that walk through their doors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the same challenge it presents to us in preaching. I mean, in preaching, we're supposed to command the will. Yeah. That's on one hand challenging, and on the other hand, like very intimate. Yeah. It can get easier if I appeal to you repetitively to almost to a browbeating type thing. Yeah. Um, and repeat where the scripture does not repeat. But then on the other hand, you have 
instance, where we've been in Hebrews, and there's been a bit of a repetition in these warnings because it's on a very specific loop, right? Yeah. So there's there's room for how you how you navigate those things, but getting to what is the ultimate purpose? Well, for preaching, it's to command the will, and for singing, for corporate worship together, what are we actually trying to do? We're trying to lift up the name of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the author of Hebrews is trying to sell a book. Nope. He's he's trying to he's commanding a correction in their lifestyle, and that's why he's so like you said, it's the exclamation mark. It's so important to him that these Christians correct their life. So he's saying it over and over again. Mm-hmm. For sure. So I I think kind of uh, a theme in, in your conversation here is like emotionalism and how we can draw that out and how culturally. Um, our emotions kind of mandate or dictate um, even law. Um, I would I would say all the way all the way up to the Supreme Court. Like our emotions dictate who we are and what we've done, and um, well, not what we've yeah what we've done. And uh, as far as like emotionalism, I mean, there's there's a tightrope kind of to walk. As Rusty said, um, uh, specifically also in, in our songs, like we don't, well, I do, but we don't want our songs to be devoid of emotion altogether. You know, uh, I, I struggle with that, but we don't want them devoid of emotion. We just don't want our emotions to rule what or how we sing something. As we talked about from this last sermon, right, we talked about, like, discipline and motivation, right? Uh, and, and if you're listening to this late, it was, you know, Hebrews 4, uh, 11 and 12. It was supposed to be 12 and 13. Um, but, <laughs> Get them. <clears throat> um, anyway. Uh, so you, 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 you do these disciplines, right? And you may not feel like you want to do them in the moment, but you are called to do them, right? And so, um, our emotions should not mandate, uh, how, uh, what, or rule us in the instance to where we need to take captive our thoughts, right? We need to take captive our thoughts and look at our emotions and see what they are pointing to, almost like dashboard lights. And so we want you to have emotions, but we don't want you to have those emotions rule you. Yeah, emotions are like children. They can sit in the front seat, you don't want them in the trunk, and you don't want them driving. Right. Right. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I I like that. I could use that more because I like to put them in the trunk a lot. Yeah. Backseat's okay. Backseat. Okay. Backseat's okay. I'll I'll do that. Don't let them drive. Then you don't really want to keep them in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I see that. You kind of want to have a conversation with them. You can threaten to put them in the trunk. Okay. I should right. probably not say that. As long as they don't listen to this show and realize that, oh, I can't be put in the trunk. I'm going to start checking my trunk. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so uh, there are things on Sunday mornings that we are, and in many ways uh, should find a little bit hard to sing. 
Um, there are songs on the radio uh, that start uh, legitimately, I think, from a place of emotion. And then they take chewing gum, they stick it to the wall, and they throw their Bible at it to see what scripture sticks at it, sticks on it. I I really believe that's how they write their songs. It's They're, pretty vivid. Um, I I, yep. They just uh, I, I'm sure they own part of Wrigley too, and so I don't think that in this instance that we would even tolerate a sermon that would be written that way. Uh, we should certainly not tolerate it in our worship music that we play on Sunday. So the music itself, let's move on uh, to the music itself in, in under theology. It needs to be excellent, and it also needs to complement the text. The most amazing truths that we sing about, uh, and uh, specifically the truths about um, uh, the, the attributes of God, is that we are remembering those day to day through singing a memorable tune. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh Yeah, you how... can't separate Mighty Fortress from Oh my Yeah. Yeah. I mean you are going right into that. Yep, yep. You can't it, just read it off. Yep. And it goes and it sticks in your head. Mm-hmm. And just like um many of I, I think a few of the elders they they listen to like we do the New City Catechism. Mm-hmm. But they also have songs that go along with the New City Catechism. They're super memorable. And they are very memorable. And they're easy tunes to understand. They're not mm-hmm. complicated. Uh, not that we don't want complicated music, or not that we don't want really rich music, so to speak, uh, from like a musical standpoint. But we also don't want to take away from the truths yeah. that are being sung. And we want them to be memorable, which comes into like excellency and complementing the text. So let's move on to our next subject. Uh, the next subject of how we pick the songs we how do. How do we actually do all this? Yeah. How, how does this happen? Practically, what does this look like? What, uh, which comes to what we like to call, Rusty? The song matrix. The song matrix. Yeah, so this is something we had to kind of develop to uh, just make sure that we were taking a little bit more of a critical eye to what we pick. Um, Planning Center is fantastic. One of the tools that I used to use when I was picking songs is you can order the songs that we have by last used date, and so then I could look at the ones that maybe we haven't touched in three months, six months, whatever, make sure we don't lose those, kind of bring them back in, Right. uh, which is good and fine. Uh, keeps us from maybe being too much of a rut on different stuff, but really trying to then figure out what songs serve the congregation the best and how particularly do we fit them inside of our liturgy, uh, uh, specifically the, the story aspect of creation, fall, redemption, consummation. And so we put together this matrix that, uh, just to describe very quickly, and, and then we'll break down each of these components. If you, we have a, a spreadsheet that across the uh, vertical axis from top to bottom is our, is our liturgy, just the order of service. So we have creation at the top, then a category for fall, then um, redemption, and then finally restoration or consummation. And so we want to try to ultimately, just to cut to the chase, put songs that speak to those specific categories in that category. 
So it's often why we have, for instance, coming centers and fall. It, it fits that category well. We'll talk yeah. more about that in a minute. Across the top axis is a little bit more of the one that is probably newer to you uh, and was definitely helpful for us in making sure that we actually execute everything that Pastor Greg just said in laying out the, the theology component. And so across that axis, we have four categories, him, exaltation, relational, and missional. And what this serves us is it helps us take these songs and make sure that maybe we don't only do hymns because we want to still be a, a, a relatively modern and contemporary. Um, and so we have other aspects of songs we want to bring in other than just hymns. There are modern hymns, Rusty. There are. Well, yeah, but we still put them in the hymns <laughs> section. Um, <laughs> exaltation is be like our anthems and stuff we don't only want to have just those we want to make sure that we kind of spread the gamut across these four categories that we'll explain in a minute so basically what we do is we load up the entire quadrant all 16 of them with uh song options and that's how we create our series playlist and then we ideally pick from those songs so that's that's the matrix as a whole and we'll talk about how those different things what they mean and, and what we would put there Right. So if we're thinking like the story of our liturgy, uh, which axis did you say this was on? This is the vertical axis. The vertical axis. 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 Um, And allies. Not a what? (laughs) Axis and allies. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Um, We see creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And this is pretty simple. We go through this every single Sunday. So I'm just going to touch on each point very quickly. But creation, so we see this as a beginning, God creating things as they should be. Um, In this time, we sing about God's attributes, who he is and what he has done. Uh, In the fall, um, this is man subjugating himself to his own moral legislative autonomy, and ultimately, that's sin. Um, And so we use this time during our liturgy to... Uh, repent of our sin and take them before the Lord. Then we have the redemption aspect, which typically comes after the sermon because the gospel is being proclaimed. Uh, we see how, his, how he has brought his people back to himself by overturning our sin, by taking our sin, by being the propitiation of our sin. And restoration uh, this is how we can have relationship with God and commune with God. I almost see this as like uh, his resurrection, uh, tearing the curtain, that there's no longer any separation between us and God. We have been fully restored through the price that Christ paid for us on the cross. So then we get into categories, which we're going to spend a little bit more time on. And uh, the categories are, as Rusty said, hymns, exaltation, relational, and missional. So, a hymn is a religious song or poem of praise to God, um, the one and only true God. So, if you look this up on the internet and see the definition, it says also to gods or other gods. No. Uh, When we sing hymns, they are to the one true God. And when we think of this, uh, we like to think that it comes from our hymnals. Anytime you hear hymn, you automatically think, turn to page 109, or we're going to sing, you know, 
A Mighty Fortress. It's on uh, one of yeah. We're gonna skip the third verse. Yeah, skip the third verse or whatever. Um, yeah, or we'll sing all eighteen verses of it. <laughs> you know, who knows? If you're hardcore, you you'll sing all eighteen. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the way it goes. But also, like I kind of plugged Rusty a, a little bit, like jabbed him a little bit with this one like there is a hymn resurgence Mm -hmm. um there is a resurgence of hymn writing that is happening all over the globe papa boswell papa boswell they do a fantastic job of writing hymns um that are in a poem like fashion that uh praise god uh and we're seeing a lot of that resurgence I think an interesting component of these hymns is that most of them actually follow the story. They follow creation, follow redemption, consummation. And Come a Hold of Wondrous Mystery does that. You know, they they follow this story, and so really for us, we can there is overlap in our matrix. Um, it could it just as easily be creation as it could be redemption, right? Um, or but, even even fall. Yeah, any yeah. any of them. Any of them. So we do recognize that this is not hard and fast rules. It just helps us categorize well. But I think that that's an important component of the hymn is that it's these, all of these songs, as we said earlier, are encouraging each other, but we're catechizing each other as well. So it's saying this is what life actually is. This is truth. And so when we have a hymn that walks us through the story, it reminds us, as our liturgy does, that this is the story. This is what real reality looks like. Right. Exactly. Um, Kyle, you have anything to add about hymns? No, I'm excited. I, this is news to me that uh, I guess I really thought of like Papa Boswell as like a new style of hymn. Um, so it's cool to think about that. So I'm learning a lot being here. <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> what has been your uh your experience in other churches when it comes to the use of hymns or the music style? Um, the music style in general, or are we sticking to the hymns? Um, so, I mean, I grew up in a church where we literally, like you were saying, had the hymnal and you like pulled it out of the, the basket and the, the seat in front of you and, yeah. you know, turned to, um, that. So that's, I grew up with all the, all the big hymns. Um, so, and I think there's this idea, this old idea of like the church I grew up in, we had to have an organist, <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. so. And it left like one person in our congregation that could ever actually play for us on Sunday. And if she <laughs> yeah. was out, um, it was very rough going. Um, mm. So it's, it's cool to think about this idea of taking something that is uh, generally good and true um, and kind of, you know, having it come back around again. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm all for the hymn resurgence. <laughs> yeah. Some of the resurgence is because of not the repetition thing necessarily, but it's a, to combat the the shallow theological component to it is actually singing rich truths of scripture or just singing scripture itself. So I mean, we have Papa Boswell. That's Matt Papa and Matt Boswell for those of you that are are not hip with the Papa Boswell. Um, but another one that we've been doing a lot of is Brian Sauve. It's spelled suave. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. so I call him suave. You're looking for it. It looks like that. It's so vague. Um, but yeah, he, he um, has been taking just specific hymns. So when we do uh, Psalm 100, make a joyful noise, that's just the psalm. <laughs> I mean, Greg has read it for us a few times. 
before we do that song and it's just putting that to a memorable chorus that you can sing if you tried to just recite psalm 100 it's a lot tougher but if you have now the song that we sang together it's a lot easier to pull that off you have a tune you mm-hmm. know to kind of remind you almost daily that i try to carry in a bucket so yeah yep. yeah yeah rusty's a good singer don't let him fool you i'm not <laughs> that's why i play so many instruments <laughs> oh come on everyone can sing just not everyone can sing well Make a joyful noise. Yep, make a joyful noise. Oh, my voice. Yep. Um, so let's move on to exultation. So we have exultation songs. And exultation is the action of elevating someone in rank, power, or character. So when we sing these songs, these songs are primarily themed um, to be like elevating God above all things. Um, specifically his power and in his character. Now, some exaltation songs that we sing are like "Behold the Lamb of God," "Christ our Hope in Life and Death," "Come Ye Sinners," "Cornerstone." I like "Cornerstone" by Austin Stone Worship. Um, and then we also have "King Forevermore" by Aaron Keys. Um. Rock of Ages fits into that category, and The King and All His Beauty by Papa Boswell. Um, those songs are an example of an exaltation of God. Now, is there some crossover between him and exaltation? Yes. Quite a bit. And yeah. We try to just save the hymn category for, like, it's a hymn. It's a hymn. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> a lot of our classic renovation songs, probably seven years ago or so, were, would fall into the, the category anthem. So when I think exaltational, I'm thinking anthem. Uh, so some of these bigger, louder, Jesus is entering Jerusalem songs, you know, um, where it's proclaiming his, his glory, his majesty, uh, in a very in-your-face type way compared to some of the other categories that we're talking about, but it's still not a hymn. Right. With Right. So would you say an exaltation would could be a, like a primary category of these four? Um, it, it is one of the four. Yeah. 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 Well, so would, would you say it's a like a priority one or a, or a primary one? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. So yeah. what I didn't say in that spectrum from uh, on that top axis, we do try to stay heavy to the left. We want to stay heavy in hymns and exaltation, and then yeah. we go a little bit lighter into relational and a lot lighter into missional because could, yeah. could relational become too emotionalism too mm-hmm. much into emotionalism if it could if you're be. not careful okay it, yeah there okay. is a danger in that in that area which i mean takes us to our next i mean unless you have anything else to say on exaltation when i think exaltation i think anthem um when i'm picking songs that's kind of what i have in mind but because we do to your point earlier like <laughs> we're not saying there's no emotions there's great joy in the court of the king um, we have a good God who gives us good things. Amen. Um, so we're not avoiding emotion. They're just in the back seat. It's okay. Yeah. They're in the car and they're along for the journey. Uh, because our next category is relational. And so these songs are the ones that speak more to our actual relationship to God and him to us. And so this is the one where it can get, it definitely doesn't need to be a primary to your point. Um, we, we shouldn't sing all five songs in this way. 
um, because it, that makes, I think, the liturgy too much about us. Uh, but there is a very much a response component. Our response can simply just be proclaiming his majesty. But it can also be, especially since it's this teaching tool to each other, we want to leave room for these relational songs that allow us to talk about our response to him and what it means to be the child of the king. Right. I guess you could say our relationship to God and him to us. Mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> kind of. You didn't explicitly state it like I just did. I think I did. Did you? My, my guys, my, my faith's more about a relationship than, than it is going, going to church. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to, we'll have some coffee, Kyle. We'll have some coffee. I might even buy you dinner. That was, uh, that was, uh, for those of you that are on Reddit, that's a slash S moment. That's a sarcasm moment there. <laughs> it's not lost on it. Yeah. So <laughs> his relationships, relational songs would be, um, a song like, uh, fret not thyself at evil men by Brian Survey, uh, by faith, the, the Gettys. How deep the Father's love for us, which is a hymn, classically. Uh, we do uh, the King's Kaleidoscope version. Um, Jesus is better, so make my heart believe that this type of how do I approach the truth uh, is, is wrapped up in there. Um, when we talk about not while this fear and unbelief, uh, or the song, Oh, help my unbelief, this is more of that psalmist-style relationship and and reaching out to God component, which is not the primary emphasis of the Psalms, but is definitely a, a, a component, right? I don't know how large it is specifically. It's not the primary one. So we definitely want to include them. And if you notice, a lot of these songs do tend to fall later in our liturgy, if you kind of track it. And this is usually going to be like a communion song. It's typically going to pop up there. Um, if it's not in fall, then it's going to be in communion. Yeah, which falls in kind of to our redemption category, our response to that redemption. Then we move on into missional songs. Uh, These songs are primarily used to encourage and equip us to go and proclaim the gospel. Now, a lot of the songs that we use to um, uh, sing sing, uh, in, in a missional way is... Uh, Jesus is Better by Austin Stone Worship. We also have saying, Oh, My Soul Arise, Rock of Ages, um, as well as Come Away from Russian Hurry, um, which are really good songs, and A Christian Daily Prayer by Sovereign Grace Music, which is, I think, not only beautiful, but uh, it also kind of reminds... I, I really like how A Christian Daily Prayer goes through from when I wake up through the day to when I lay my head to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all a- talking about like our heart bent towards God and serving him in a way that is glorifying and honoring to his name. Yeah, a- And so I love that about that song. It follows the Puritan practice of the morning prayers, the afternoon prayers, the evening prayers, and then the as you go to sleep prayers. So each of the four verses touches on that and it gives you this picture of walking through the day with the Lord. And the reason we would put this in the missionals because this is a this is a sinning song. Go do this is 
We, we had corporate worship here. Yeah. Now you have six days to go put these things in practice. This is what a day could look like. So this missional is much more of a sending. The songs in our matrix are much more heavy in the redemption and consummation side. Right. Uh, for this. So we yeah. we typically jump over here at the end of the service if we're not doing one of the other ones. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, an o- overarching view of why we pick the music we pick um, as far as our matrix is concerned. Also, uh, we want the object of our singing. We want it to be masculine. Um, We don't want it to be effeminization, if I pronounce that word correctly. Well done. Thank you. Can Um, you use it in a sentence? We want to correct against and feminization of the Christian of Christian music. Very good. There we go. All right. So, um, basically, to to sort it all out, um, we have Johnny Worship Leader, the crooner. He is just he is he may be male, right? but maybe not masculine and yes. his extremely nice tight fitting jeans and flannel shirt. Don't knock a flannel. Um, not knocking the flannel, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm trying to figure that out. Long hair flowing just don't, like Rusty's. Don't knock that either. Um, and singing in just like this very croony, very, Lovey dovey. Yeah, very, I don't have that, so it's not me. Very um just like hey everybody. I don't I, just... I don't know how much I hear that versus like the the whiny. Well, you know, you, you know you, you get a combination. You gotta get the you know, you gotta get the, the, the wine in there and and all that and it, not like the drink, but like the whining, you know? Yeah. Um which, you know, kind of adds to that Jesus is my boyfriend kind of feeling is, is what I'm getting at. That uh, would be the effeminization uh, of Christian music. Thank you. Um, yes. So th- this is a real thing. So <clears throat> don't forget that what you listen to on the radio is backed by money. It takes money to make things like that. And so they actually game plan in Christian music for women. Yeah, yeah. So that they will go then buy the CDs for their Who's family. Who's listening to that music, right? Or stream it now, play it for their kids. Because yep. traditionally, I learned this when I was in uh, like high school, like music and learning, trying to sell music to other people, is um, men traditionally will not go buy CDs. Yep. Um, that's almost exclusively, mm-hmm. maybe not so now, but for a long time it was exclusively women that would just go buy a CD because men were perfectly fine with just turning on the radio. Yep, and the women were the one that would would want to listen to it over on you know they find that perfect song and they want to go buy the CD for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then while they're there, they're gonna get the books. Yeah, and they'll buy it and they'll hand it to their husband and he'll be like, "Oh, great, thanks." Right? So yeah, I, I it <laughs> it's Didn't very much game planned towards towards women, which I, I love the ladies, but um, when we're talking about a robust Christianity. That has a full family-oriented component to it. Uh, don't think that just because it's Christian that there's not any kind of warfare wrapped up in some of that. 
So what what we do try to push for is a masculine type of Christian music. I I think about our men, 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 manly men, 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 right? <laughs> Tuna. Men, that song. <laughs> yeah. Like, men, will the men in our church men, sing this song? Like, yeah. it can still be a great song that's led by Kana or my wife, Jess, that uh, has a female lead, but still have the men of our church actually be able to proclaim and sing this. Uh, so we, we, we're mindful of the keys that we put things in, uh, make sure that they can sing it. We want to make sure that these men can lead their families with the songs that we're providing them. Uh, is this actually a household truth that they're holding out and that they can lead their family with? Because, to your joke about Jesus is my boyfriend, we're singing to a male God. Like He identifies himself as father um, in, in a culture that you would think would respect identifications. <laughs> they don't, Rusty. They're so big on it. Um, he identifies as father, and we have Jesus the son. And so for us, we're we're singing in that kind of way. I want to make sure that, you know, the men in our church who are in construction and who are in programming, who are in all these other fields, actually can sing the songs that we do. Now, there's wonderful songs out there that are female-led or that are over-emotional that I'll, I would love to listen to and do listen to in the van while I'm driving. It's not necessarily what we're trying to accomplish on Sunday. That's the dif- that's the difference. We're not saying that those songs are necessarily bad. They can be with the criteria that we had above, but it's a different thing that we're trying to accomplish on Sunday morning. Well, they don't necessarily get you as a man. They don't ne- some of those songs uh, don't necessarily get you amped up for you know fatherhood and manhood mm-hmm. for the kingdom either. Like there is a time to be um, you know af- affectionate toward your children and your wife. There is a time for that the softer side, but that's not necessarily what we're called for. So, you know, we need like battle songs, war songs. We do. I mean, um, that's the full spectrum of yeah. the Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. want to sing imprecatory Psalms. <laughs> right. And, and it just gives, I think more emphasis on, as, as you kind of touched on earlier, like the household and how mm-hmm. it's to be led. Like, are you having men who are leading their household just kind of imitating what they see on Sunday morning? What they see well? in God's house. What they, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so do you guys, um, if, if you don't have anything else, I have a question for you guys. Sure. sure. Um, do you guys, when you sing like worship in the house, do you guys sing worship songs with your families? Yes. We do. Okay. Cool. I don't lead them as much as my uh, wife sure, sure. okay <laughs> but that's that's where you steer your family towards yes yeah. singing in general is a big thing the new city catechism has been something that we do cool uh for singing um but yeah yeah music is all over our family <laughs> but and that's part of why this song selection matters that's why my wife right. en- enjoys the series playlists uh because it's going to be things that that we hold together so, yeah yeah and and what I like to do, which may be helpful, is I um and I kind of have the future vision of this. I guess you could say I could foresee this because I kind of pick the songs. But I um I put I made a playlist. It's called a set list this week. <coughs> and uh, basically, what we do is we listen to that set list throughout the week. So just like listening to like what everybody else can listen to, the um 
the playlist, maybe pick a few songs that you really like from the playlist sure. and play them at home often to where you can like recite these truths to one another. You may even find like your kids singing the songs like in the shower or something like oh it, yeah that'd be cool yeah, yeah. it's beautiful it, it kind of paints oh, a really i, I do every morning picture. Yeah, yeah we're getting ready to do soon a song uh from called psalm 2 it's just psalm 2 yeah uh, from brian survey and it is like i like vikings a lot i like that and this is a viking song like it's oh cool it's so good it's gonna take some time for us to learn it but what is I I get to, I sing it every morning with my my gravelly bass voice, and uh, it helped me memorize Psalm too. I wouldn't yeah. do it apart from that. Yeah, but then again, it sounds too. It sounds like you said your gravelly bass voice. It sounds like it's a war song for your day. It totally yeah. like it very much is. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I mean, that's the value of these things, and we're not just talking about just doing manly stuff to be manly. Like, it, no, no, no. Yeah, it, it has a lot of. Uh, emphasis behind it of something goals behind it of what we're trying to push for and train for so it, it's it, we're, it is for sure a correction compared to the culture but it's not just that because we want to make sure that we're not just reactionary to that yeah so yeah cool thanks guys yeah thank you so this has been a little bit of an insight of why we pick the songs we do shameless plug if you are a listener I have a mailbag. I would really like your input, your questions about the songs and maybe even why we do the songs that we do, or maybe there's a verse in a song that you're not quite sure about. Uh, please email me at greg at ctldayton.com. That's greg, G-R-E-G, at ctldayton.com. As always... Thank you for listening to Greg Can Read. It's a blast if you turn up the volume.